Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into a very special episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. Uh, today we've got Nina Saji here from Okra African Grill. This is this is a guest that I've ever since this restaurant opened and I tasted it for the first time. I was like, man, she would be great to have on the podcast. She's got an incredible story. She's got incredible food. And today it happens. Nina, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dan. Thank you very much. I didn't know you were really rooting to have me here for so long. Well, I, I just reached out about a week or two ago, so it's yeah. not your fault by any means. It was my fault. I needed to reach out sooner. Okay, yeah. We could have made it happen earlier, but oh, well. All well, is good. This is The timing is perfect because yes. Okra is killing it right now. You guys are having so much success, and it is so deserved. A lot of people are starting to experience it, but mm-hmm. for those that haven't, I feel like African cuisine, there are a few African restaurants in Omaha, but mm-hmm. it's still a cuisine that most Omahans aren't super familiar with. Yes. So I want to just start off this conversation by giving you a chance. For someone who hasn't tried African cuisine before, how would you describe it? So... To make it a little bit easy, I describe African cuisine as a fusion. You kind of have to really think about it in a broader spectrum, I'll say, of different cuisine that came through Africa at some point of time that make African food what it is. What I meant by that is, <clears throat> like through slavery, we had some spices and things that came through. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's uh, Spanish and Portuguese and uh, Eng- uh, English from England, and then uh, India spices that came through all the way. So bringing all of those spices and ingredients down, a, and through the years, I'll say, we get taught different things. Uh, let's give an example of Mahasa sauce, for example. Mm-hmm. is a tomato-based sauce, and tomato-based sauce is a Spanish sauce. It's the mother sauce, part of the mother sauce, uh, which is taught in chef um, culinary, basically. Um, but is we kind of put a little bit of um, anise, uh, anise seed, mm-hmm. um, like onion, and the mis- mixture of garlic, onion, anise seed, Believes those kind of flavor, it it takes away a little bit of what you know as tomato sauce, like your spaghetti sauce, for example. It's kind of like a little bit of that with a little bit different flavor or spices into it. So we kind of make things that was brought to us long time ago that became our regular use into something more. Uh, like our own, basically. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't pinpoint that this is from Africa or this is from really Africa. I think it's more of a fusion because I learned some some things in culinary school that we were calling, another example is like a fish react. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, is a way of deboning the fish and then cooking the the meat into fat. We do it, you can do it for chicken, you can do it for duck, you can do it for the meat. But... I found out we call it, we do we used to do add onion and pepper and parsley, flavor it up, and then add it into sandwiches. And I thought it was the best sandwiches ever. <laughs> and then I went to culinary, so I'm like, this is exactly what we do. 
<laughs> and there in culinary school, they teach you to put it on a baguette. Of course, uh, that's yeah. like really toasted. I'm like, this is the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> the difference we just put it inside of the sandwich on t- instead of the top of the the bread, but mm-hmm. uh, same uh, analogy there. So those kind of things kind of make it uh, African cuisine. So I describe African cuisine as a little bit of um, South America mixed with European cuisine. Mm-hmm. Uh, mixed with Indian spices, mm-hmm. with a little bit of Asian into it. So all of that... Um, it's a melting pot. It's a melting pot. Yeah. That's the word exactly. The fusion is the melting pot of all of those food combined. I'm barely even scratching the surface oh, of yeah. African cuisine. I'm barely scratching it. We can't describe any type of cuisine within three minutes, but that, that was that, that was a very nice summation, okay, uh, an introduction. And I think you know it's so important for people. Like I think when they just when they're introduced to a cuisine that they're not familiar with for the first time, whether that's African, whether that I mean, fifteen years ago nobody knew what sushi was, and sushi started showing up, and now it's exactly. like it's everywhere. I think people just need to you know, understand that the flavors that they're experiencing are can still be very familiar, even if mm-hmm. it's a new cuisine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think something that I love about what okra does mm-hmm. is you guys have taken these African cuisines yeah. that people are starting to learn about, yeah. and you put them in a very familiar delivery device. And that's the rice bowl. That's yes. probably one of the most popular things at okra. Yeah. and. Yes. People can go, you can order a rice bowl, then you get mm-hmm. your selection of meat, whether mm-hmm. that be chicken or steak lamb. or shrimp or lamb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can go a bunch of different ways. Yes. You can put a sauce on there, you yeah. get your vegetables. And that reminds people of, oh, I've done this at a burrito joint or exactly. whatever. So it's different. And these flavors are, in my opinion, far more developed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you're exposing them to something new in a way that they feel like they know what it is. What Was that the strategy behind kind of? Yes. yes that, okay. that was the whole objective. Yes. Because I, I, after my many, many years living in the U.S., I found out that um, even with, in culinary school, we did a lot of projects that we went to uh, Chicago. We went to a lot of places that I noticed that there's just not there's no spotlight on our cuisine. Mm-hmm. And I keep pondering in my head, where, how can I be able to to bring people to love what I cook every day at home? You know, and and I'm like, I, it, it has to be a, a easier and better way of doing this. And all my experiences so far have put together into okra to make it what it is. And I, I was adamant. A lot of people were like, oh, this is, we didn't understand it. I'm like, this is the way. <laughs> Believe me, just trust me for a minute. Uh-huh. The, you know, I kind of got a lo- into a lot of people's eating habits to see people are picking nowadays, you know. Oh, I yeah. don't want tomato. I want onion. I don't want onion. I want peppers. I don't want peppers. I want this and that. But by having this structure... Everybody can get a little bit of everything. And my daughter was the example of that. She was just a picky child, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so she, she gave you a good introduction yeah, to what serving she, the yeah, masses I, would I, be like. I couldn't do anything that touched anything. You have to have everything separated out. And she couldn't do spices, so I have to make mm. hot sauce on the side. 
and have the regular sauce on the side. So it just it gave me an introduction to how I want okra to become. Mm-hmm. So, so <laughs> the rice bowl menu and yes. some of the entrees are very familiar. They're yeah. things that people you know would understand and have experienced. But there's also some items on the menu like. Ablo, Ablo, like, yeah, <laughs> like uh, Akpan, Akpan, or yeah. like uh, I know it's not always on the menu, but you guys ran a special with Fufu. Yes. How do you balance slowly introducing like those signature <laughs> items of a new cuisine with like th- those are obviously things that are very special to you. Like, yes. how do you incorporate like slowly introducing those while at the same time you know sticking to the rice bowl strategy as well? It was a little bit hard at first, but I I kind of needed it to do that. It was the the whole idea of implementing this part, which make it simpler to introduce people to the basic and just slowly kind of get them into trying other things. And that's where the special comes from, that eventually I'll get into other African cuisine, not just the West side, which is um, the biggest one on the menu right now is the West side of Africa. Mm -hmm. We still haven't even developed the North side or the East side or the South side of Africa. So I want to be able to eventually ease into other places too and experience it with the cuisine and kind of pull things from what we have and and kind of develop it in that way. But the idea, you you can't really, it's kind of like try to teach a child how to ride a bike <laughs> without having the third wheel. You need the third wheel. Uh-huh. So the third wheel make it easy. And once they start riding, then they don't even think about the third wheel. So I have to, I can't really introduce our cuisine without making it simple enough. Yeah. That Because people, people are still relenting on what is this? Should I try it? Should I not try it? So the basic are there. And then you can start adventuring into other things. Mm-hmm. And I, I have, I'm kind of surprised that I had a lot of people here in Omaha that have tried other African cuisine before. So they actually know the Ablo. They actually know the Akman. Some of them are even requesting the Fufu. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, okay, I think, you know, some people are ready for the other special, but I keep them on special and I just run them and see uh, which one works and which one doesn't and so forth and so on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'll even use a personal example. About a week or two ago, my uh, my wife and I, we, we ordered some rice bowls and I came yeah. in and I, I brought it home yeah. and I was like, hey, Sarah, I, I threw an, an ablo on here. Okay. And, and she was like... What what is that? I have no idea what that is. And I'm like, well, I don't really know. I've never tried it before, but we're trying it. And no disrespect to the rice bowl, because we loved our rice bowls, but that might have been like our favorite part of the meal. We were like, man, we should have gotten like six of these instead of one. So that's just an encouragement to people. Like, even if you're not totally familiar with something, just give it a try. Yeah. You might love it. Yeah. I mean... not everybody is really courageous or adventurous enough, but it is a good thing to really try it. And Ablo, I always believe Ablo will be like a really good introduction because mm-hmm. they have that sweet and salty side, mm-hmm. and then they really balance out with the spiciness. So I, it was a trick after all. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, it's very good. Now, the one other 
food related thing that mm -hmm. I need to ask you about before we okay. get in, before we get into your background, which oh. is very fascinating, and I want to go there as well. Okay, but we have to talk about these fried plantains. <laughs> so I'm not asking you to like give away the trade secret here, oh, but I, but I need secret. some information because about probably seven or eight years ago, mm -hmm. I took a trip to Miami and okay. we went to some Cuban restaurants and I had fried plantains and okay. I was like, this is fantastic. Yeah. I love these. Yeah. And ever since then, if I see them on a menu, I'm like, okay, let's get an order of those. Yeah. And I haven't been able to find that like awesome fried plantain since then. I've been like chasing it. Uh -huh. And then I had it at okra and those plantains, I was like, oh. here it is. I found it again. And it's in Omaha. So you don't oh, have to gee. like, don't give me the direct recipe because we don't want people stealing it. But like, what is it about your fried plantains that help you get there? I think this is the secret you are really uh, talking about is the sweetness of the Yes. Is <laughs> actually is catching the plantain when it's ripe, but not too ripe, but not too under. Mm -hmm. uh, plantains are basically like wild bananas. Mm -hmm. uh, they are in the variety of bananas. So they come in different uh, level of ripeness, just like banana does. Like sometimes you buy banana in the store, they are kind of still too green. So when you peel them, they are a little bit too crunchy. Mm -hmm. Plantains are the same thing. But when you get like that brown skin one, some people don't like it too much. They only give them to banana bread, but you, if you want the sweet bananas, you want to eat those. Right. Same thing with plantains. If you want to really have that candy caramelized taste to the plantains, you want the ripe ones, which is the one that you find out. Yeah, and it just it works so well. Yeah, and with the rice, it's like the sweet and the savory. That's it's, really what uh, I wanted to balance out to have. It's a the, beautiful symphony. Yeah. Oh. All right. I'm making. Uh, how do you orchestra? Yes. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Good. Okay. So, you are originally from Togo, which is a nation in West Africa, but you moved to America in 1994. Yes. How? Of all places, did you end up in Omaha, Nebraska? I know, I know. I get that question quite a bit. I'm sure you're sick of it. <laughs> no. But I have to know. Is it? <laughs> yes. Um, I ended up in Nebraska because my sister was here. Oh, okay. She was here three years before I, I came to the U.S. And um, it's, we are only the two sisters out of family of six. Uh, now we lost one. There's only five left. But she's my only sister, so she was living in Nebraska. And her son was sick at that time. And um, her husband and her came from Washington, D.C. Uh, because a friend referred them to Nebraska because they have more doctors mm -hmm. to find out what was wrong with the child. So when they came here, they were still trying to find out what was really going on uh, before I came. And she needed really a lot of help. Um, so I kind of stick around and help her a lot. And later they found out that he got cerebral palsy, so um, he needed a lot of um, medical help and stuff like that. So uh, that's why I stay in Nebraska. <laughs> well, it's uh, a lot of people don't know, but uh, close family do know. Yes, <laughs> yeah. gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong, but you began your career as a nurse, right? Exactly for so the how, same reason. Okay, so that's why. How <laughs> yes. did you discover that you had a passion for cooking, though? Um, oh, 
the passion was already there for okay. the nursing part because of the child sickness. I kind of got, I wouldn't call it rage, but I was like, because he was born back home. So there is a, how will I pull it? This, we are not as developed in Africa as we should. Um, the healthcare system is not really out there like that. Mm. What he had could have been fixed. It could have been helped. Mm -hmm. um, so I had that. He was born into my hand. So I felt like we could have done something. Mm -hmm. So when I went, I started going to medical school and stuff um, for my nursing. And then I met my husband and I started getting pregnant. Um, it just, I kind of died down a little bit. But the the food part really started from back home. Me cooking at home when I was a little, kind of following my sister's footstep, you know, the girl in the house, I have to cook and all of that. But then here I'm like, okay, people start asking for food and, you know, they didn't know how to find ingredients. And my sister and I will go to different stores and different places and we'll find something and we're like, oh my God, we found sardine at Albertsons. I came when Albertsons was still Albertsons. <laughs> <Yeah. So, laughs> yes, I, I could tell you that I've been here a long time. And we'll be like, oh, this sardine is better than this one. And we'll contrast and compare. And that's how we kind of start gardening things because there's no African store or mm -hmm. no African anything around here. So we start mixing things. Even with fufu, do you know we used to make it with potato flakes? Mm. <laughs> really? Yeah, you can literally make the same as that thing. Just add a little bit of sugar in the water and add a little starch and you with mashed potato. So basically fufu is mashed potato, but it's a little bit starchier. Right. So you, so you kind of like found some hacks. Yes. So you couldn't get the direct ingredients, but you found ways around it a yes. little bit. It's same thing with the sauces, same thing with anything else that we have. Even all the way to we have this cornmeal polenta, even with akma, for example. Mm -hmm. Akma, the back home, you'll have the corn, you'll grind it, you'll shave it out, all of that. But here, you just have the powder, you add a little bit of vinegar in there, and boom, you have akma. <laughs> you, you say you can't get a lot of these ingredients. Yes. Now, you tr you did bring them yes. to the Omaha public. That, you opened a market before, in 2004. Yes. 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 That's kind of how that kind of came about because it's like there was a lot of people coming in but not a lot of people knowing what to do or how to cook <laughs> and, like, and I look at my sister I'm like okay we need to fix this problem really easily and we used to go to Asian market that she'll ask us each time oh what do you what do you guys use should we bring this because we'll get like the rice and some fish and stuff from the Asian market and we'll go to the to South Omaha and we'll get the plantains and you know, some of the spices there. So we'll go to different places and gather all of those things. And it was like, hmm, instead of me telling people to do that, I can literally open a, you know, a market, bring all of those ingredients in one spot, and they can just come and get it. But then they start asking, can it be already cooked and ready to go? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, hmm, that's another market right there, another niche. So I start cooking for people from home, and it became like, it's wildfire. I blow, I used to do it all the time. And I'm like, I had to wake up at two o'clock in the morning and try to make a blow. <laughs> you know, I think I need to have a better way of doing this. So I put it in the kitchen and turn it into a, a cafe and uh, in the market. And uh, it's been 
growing really quickly and I needed a bigger location because mm-hmm. that one was only a thousand square footage and I moved it to Harrison and they didn't do so well there. And that that's also when the recession hit in 2008, yes. correct? I know, me and the the funny stuff happened. <laughs> you had a couple pretty unlucky <laughs> I, moments. I know, I know. That one was a But you don't bad give one. up. I know. <laughs> and that's and that's what I find so inspiring is like if someone like opened their their dream that yeah. they're passionate about and then through circumstances that were really out of their hands they had to close it. I feel like a lot of people would just they would throw in the towel and they'd yeah. say Okay, this this wasn't meant to happen. It's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah, you went the other direction, <laughs> and you enrolled in culinary school. Just what what was that drive and that passion that made you just say, you know what, it, it didn't work out this time, but I don't care. I'm going all in. Oh, because I'm crazy. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, crazy works sometimes. I, I guess it does. I guess it does. Well, it just I, I just believed in it so much. I believed, I truly believed that this could work. I think it was beyond my own, it, it became overwhelming. The belief was so real that it's kind of like telling a child that Santa Claus doesn't exist. Yeah, They don't comprehend. It's, for me, is I believe that this could be possible so much that when that first one fell, I just I, I was frozen in the moment. I was like, oh, my God, why why this? Is this not happening? You know, mm-hmm. could it not be a real thing? But I I went to prayers, you know. Um, I went to prayers. I went on my knees and started praying because I, I felt the belief was so strong. I didn't understand what happened then. I I, I try to kind of backtrack. It's kind of losing your keys. Try to backtrack where you've been, what you have done, and what went wrong, you know, uh, why it didn't work then, you know. So, so I tried to learn some few things from there. And a friend of mine kind of came home, came to my house one day and said, you know, you look pitiful. You could, why, don't you, why, don't you find, why don't you find something to do right now? You love to cook. Why don't you just try the culinary school? I'm like, you know what? I think I might. You know, she, he said, well, it won't hurt. It's not like right now you're doing a whole lot. You know, you just kind of, I'm still in that disbelief kind of moment. Mm-hmm. And it went on for almost like a year. And then I said, okay, I'll go do that just for a pastime. And I went to culinary school and I think it was the best decision ever. Yeah. I always give props to my friend that told me that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So I forget if I mentioned it before, but you went to the culinary school at, at yeah. Metro Community College, which yes. is one of the best in the country. Yes, it is. And you mentioned earlier just some of the revelations, you know, that you had about, hey, this cuisine that I've known my whole life, it draws inspiration from here, from here, from here, like yes. all these different places. Yeah. Was that the number one thing you took away from culinary school or what did you really learn there that kind of jump started you again? Uh, the discipline. Okay. Uh, we call something mise en place. Yep. Mise en place is Getting just... Getting everything ready. Yes, it's just the way of life. Prepping is... If anybody tells you they are a chef or they know how to cook at that level, of a culinary school level, is because they've been... It's kind of like I've been in the army. You get taught to make sure you wake up in the morning, you, you go to boot camp, basically, and then you get taught how... The regimen kind of work. You have to go through that process and 
that process is the way it works. Mm-hmm. And without that, I don't think I will have been able to polish what I have because the African cooking, I already know how. Mm-hmm. But the structure and the discipline that comes with it, that I took away from the culinary school. Um, it really, really kind of brought it down to me like, you know, you can be washy-washy. You have to really kind of prioritize and prepping and doing this and doing that. And you have to literally Americanize it. Mm-hmm. This is the way things go. Because the biggest question when I closed my business before was, what did I do wrong? Where did I miss the boat at? And that question keep coming back each time. And that's when it was more of like a aha moment when they was taking a walk. I love to take walks. I, that's oh, my me too. Ins- yeah. inspirational time there. That kind of like, oh, I need to Americanize African cuisine. And how do I Americanize it? Is to set it up the way it's set up here. I'm not living in Africa. I'm living in America. So it's certain things have to go a certain way to make it work. Mm-hmm. And without that, it won't work. So a- as you make that realization, like mm-hmm. what, what is your first thought about like, okay, how do I Americanize African cuisine? Because I'm, I'm assuming rice bowl wasn't the first thing that popped <laughs> into your head. Like no, this is probably no. something you spent years developing. Yes. yes. So if we kind of backtrack a little bit, it, 10 years okay. went by since the last closing to okra. Mm-hmm. So during all those little process, you know, all of those years, I've been like a, maybe a year or two into it that when I realized that. So then I start jotting down. So everywhere mm. I go, um, I'll go on my computer. If you look at my computer at home, I have all, all these recipe or menus or whatever that may be that comes to mind. I just kind of put it down. And the biggest thing, too, is that I, I pray mm-hmm. about it and say, God, if this is really because my kids were like, Mom, I think we have we have done this, this ship I have sell, go back to nursing school, finish that up, and we're going to live large. A lot of people are, you know, into the medical field and they're making a lot of money. You don't really have to do this, which was really true. I can just stick to that, not be in the spotlight, raise my kids, and everything will be just peachy. But then there's still that belief there that... Yeah. I, I just couldn't let go. So I pray. I pray that, God, please, if this is your doing, if this is what you want me to do, you need to bring people into my life. That's why I call you my angel. Because <laughs> bring people into my life. <laughs> I know you, you don't believe you it. You flatter me. I know. It, it is true. Bring people. That's my biggest prayer. Bring people in my life that's going to help me get there. I don't know how, I don't know, because I don't know where I'm going. That's faith. Yes. This dream is bigger than myself. And how can I carry it there? You have to be able to help me. I tried by myself already. That didn't work. So if your hand is not into this, I don't want to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. But if it is, I'll follow through. And here we are. So through that process, at what point did you start to feel... I should open a restaurant. 
Basically, all the way, because even if you ask my chefs at the school, they will tell you I'll talk about my restaurant oh, really? all the time. <laughs> yes, I mean, because every time I come with a, a new idea, I'll talk to somebody about it. There is a chef there that I really love to talk to. Um, it's Chef Solberg, and he's very, um, he's from, uh, I think, Amsterdam, and he's very down to earth. Um, he's a fine dining uh, chef there. And you can really like learn a lot from him. So I kind of like to kind of roll ideas through him and see, oh, what do you think of this? And what do you think of that? And I want to do my spices. And he'll just laugh and say, oh, Nina, this dad here. And he'll just mm -hmm. walk away. But I always have it there, but it's not, it's different ideas, not just like a rice bowl or anything. Mm -hmm. um, the rice bowl, I think, was the last maybe four, five years, mm -hmm. that I'm like, wow, I think one day I went to Subway or something. <laughs> and that, yeah, it literally, I'm like, this is it. Like, uh -huh. they have all these different ingredients and this is the setup. I mean, like, this is the way, because after a while, I, I work at hy at one point, mm -hmm. I kind of learn people eat with the eyes, is how beautiful things look. That's how they're going to be able to go to things. So, I'm like, okay, and if I break it all out, you know, because we, I, like if I make a sauce, I should have the chicken inside of the sauce. Mm -hmm. But then I ask myself, okay, if the person doesn't want chicken, then what should I do? I should scoop the sauce on the side. You know, so I start kind of like using what's already here as a system that's already working and then kind of putting it into my African world and say, okay, we do a lot of this like this. How can I pull that and add it into this world to kind of make it work. And that's when okra started to really break out and slowly, you know, bring in a home, I'll call it. And then I think it was a year or two, uh, there is an African summit that kind of rolled into town. Mm -hmm. um, the um, moderator is Togolese, mm -hmm. and he invited me to come and, you know, just to kind of be one of the guests. And if I see something, um, I can point it out. And um one of I was into the line at the lunch and, and there's a lady um in front of me and she just burst out. This is an African summit and I'm eating tacos. <laughs> I was like There's something wrong with this yeah. picture, yeah. <laughs> yes. I was like, okay, I think we need to kind of work at this a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Uh so from then I just like, okay, and I start calling some people to see if I can put together business plan and all of that and start kind of like working toward opening basically. Mm -hmm. So here we are. I love that comment that you had about eating with your eyes because yes. for people who haven't been to okra, it is very similar, at least in setting up in, in, perfect, <laughs> in setting up to like a subway. Like you yeah. said, there's the glass panel there, but then uh -huh. you can see all the ingredients uh -huh. laid out. You can see the colorful peppers. You yeah. can see the beautiful, you know, steak kebabs. You can yeah. see everything there. Mm -hmm. So you can start to like, you know, put together your dish yeah. before you even order it. Mm -hmm. And I think that is just such a genius way to introduce people because yeah. like you said, like people want to customize everything these yes. days. If they go yes. to a restaurant and they see a dish, they'll be like, oh, well, I really like these things. But can, can I, I get the <laughs> yeah? Can I get the sauce on the side? Can I can can I get it gluten free? Can I do this? Can I do that? Yeah. And okra is just like, 
Yes, yes you, you can, can do that. <laughs> Go for it. If you come up with it today, I, I think I made a bowl. The lady wanted one scoop of white rice and one scoop of red rice. Of course. And I just kind of thought of him like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to. If you want to, sure. And I put it side by side. It kind of looked like, you know, white and red on the side. I'm like, hey, maybe she want to try both. You that, know, you just never know. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so... You said, you know, you started talking to some people, started laying out some business plans. Yes. But at what point did Okra, like, really become a reality where it was like, oh, man, this thing is happening? Yeah. Um, well, when the business plan started getting put together, I was in the living room one day. And um, I, originally, I wanted it to call it Nina's Kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of telling my son, he came upstairs. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm working on the business plan, blah, blah, blah. And my son is 21. So I like to kind of like pick their brain on like what they, you know, what's new out there because he's a, a very much of a foodie too. He'll yeah. go out there and go to a restaurant like, mom, you need to try this one and you need to go here and you need to go there. So I'm like, oh, I'm kind of working on the idea again and now I'm really into it. And I want to call it Nina's Kitchen. It's like, oh, no, mom, that's not catchy enough. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, every teenager thinks the, the mom are too old or something. Right. And I'm like, what? It, it just sunk. He's like, no, that's not modern. We need to do something different. And he's like, okay. And he's just kind of walking around. He's like, what should we call it? And we have these um, breadcrumbs we call gari. Uh-huh. It's made out of you guys. Uh, the the driest uh, version of Acheke. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he, there's one in the container on the table. He's like, mom, should we call it Gary? And I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> so, and then he's like, and I just keep on working on my computer. And then he's come still roaming around and he opened the freezer and go, mom, I found it. And I'm like, what, he's in the freezer? He's like, yeah, we should call it Okra. I'm like, oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. That's like, how the name came about. That's how the name came about. And I was just like dumbfounded. I was kind of looking at him and he's like, Mom, yeah, it should be okra. Remember that sauce? And with my old, old business, I used to make this the okra sauce. Uh-huh. And okra is very big in Africa, of course. But it's one of the really well big vegetable that we use. But the slumminess part of it kind of turns some people off. But mm-hmm. it's a very well-known vegetable. So on Wednesday at my old shop, I used to make okra sauce and, you know, they'll come from school and they'll eat that. And they used to call it green sauce when they were little. So he's like, oh my, it reminds me of your old sauce that you used to make all the time. And I'm like, okay, whatever. He's like, no, no, you should be okra. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And he knows come when I'm kind of dismissing like that, I might not go for it. So he just kind of like, okay. And then he went downstairs. I'm still on the computer and he kind of yelled out, mom, it's okra. (laughs) (laughs) So he was passionate about it right from the beginning. He really latched onto that name. Yeah, yeah. But good thing he did. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, it's so catchy too. Okra, okra. I'm like, okay, okay. I'll call it okra. (laughs) Just stop badgering me about it. I'll call it whatever you want. Just shut up. <laughs> but Okra was the best. Yes, one that was. It is a great name. I I love it, and yeah. I love it even more now that I know the story. Oh, cool, cool. So, just the unbelievable bad luck. We have, we, <laughs> you know, we kind of talked about it before. We, we we touched on this, but yeah. you guys, 
work all these years. You I go know. to culinary school. You develop <laughs> this restaurant concept. You open on March 14th. Mm-hmm. I think it was, and that's like right when COVID hit, yes. hit Omaha, essentially, when people started realizing, oh, shoot, this is something we need to take seriously. Yeah. And I think restaurants were mandated to, or they weren't allowed to do dine-in service two days later, or yeah. maybe it was just diners were restricted. I can't remember exactly what it was, but things started shutting down at yeah. that point. What was that feeling like for you? Was it, I mean, that just had to be crushing. <laughs> it was like a, literally like a nightmare uh, waiting to happen. We did open on uh, on the 14th, which was a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And we had, a, you know, a lot of people were coming out. And then Sunday, um, it was a little bit busy, but not as much. Because then the, the talk was for, okay, COVID is there. and But we didn't really kind of realize that COVID was here, here. You know, mm-hmm. it's more of on TV and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Monday was my son's birthday on the 16th. And the 17th is St. Patrick's Day. Mm. So they were trying to kind of, the governor wanted to not have a lot of people out in bars. Mm-hmm. So the to kind of like basically um, put a hand on the COVID thing so people don't, I think at that time, a lot of the bigger city were getting like a wave of the COVID spreading. So they kind of put a, a hands on it. So by that Monday, they already sent a note out that they don't want they want bars to be partially open. They don't mm. want a lot of gathering. And the talk just started to really roll out really quickly. So by that Tuesday, uh, for St. Patrick's Day, they barely even let us have any anybody inside. And we barely have anybody out. And by Wednesday, then they went to like, I think it was like 50 people mm-hmm. in. And then by that night, it went to 10 people. Mm-hmm. And then by Thursday, it went to like nobody. And I was like, holy mother. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck is going on here? <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty bad. It, that's when it really kind of like hit me like a ton of break. Like, uh, this is not good. And we are into deep deep trouble here um, because that toward that end of the week we barely even like having like 10 customers or five some days mm-hmm. one day I came in it was like three hours before we see one person oh my and I was just staring at the wall I'm like not me again God please please this 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 can't happen a second time I I, I just couldn't handle that level of I don't know I don't know if I would call it failure or whatever that is but uh, it was quite it was quite heavy mm-hmm. and then I went home early the next day and I was watching the news um, uh, on channel three and then uh, Maya from channel three was yeah. talking about oh the restaurants are still open um, you know she want to support it and you know, here's the info if you go online and, you know, tell us your story. And then I emailed her and she called me right back the next day. I'm like, she's like, oh, my God, oh, we need to come and support you. And, you know, she's one of my angels, too. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So obviously you're a very, very strong woman. You're a woman <laughs> of faith. Like yes. if there was someone who was positioned to undergo something as just 
unbelievable as this, yeah. it would be someone like you. How did your life experiences prepare you for that moment? Because I feel like that, especially at that time, yeah. would have broken a lot of people. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like you were just like, no, this is not <laughs> happening. <laughs> I am making this work. <laughs> well, I just, like I did before, it, it's kind of like a survival mechanism. Yeah. I, I just went back to that again. You know, I just went back to the old time again. And I've been divorced for a really long time when my kids were like five and three, and they are 21 and 18 now. So I had all of that, those years to kind of strengthen up myself and kind of like, you know, um, be, be tough for them, you know. So it, it really, I think like everything that happened to us in life really prepare us for the future. Mm -hmm. Because without those experiences, without that first failure without, uh, you know, the the, uh, the divorce and all of that, I don't think I'll be who I am today mm -hmm. without those kind of things. So I think every single piece of what happened to us in life contribute to our journey toward our future. Mm -hmm. So um, I just think, thank God that, be able to give me that strength and that endurance to be able to to keep it, my head up and still keep on going. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there were some dry times, especially you know at the start of the whole COVID yeah, thing. Yeah. But the last time I came in about two <laughs> weeks ago, it was packed. There was a line out the door, which yeah. I'm very excited about. I was yeah. totally fine with waiting. Yeah. I've seen. We're both members of the Omaha Food Lovers Group. Yeah. People are posting pictures of okra every single day. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you even put out a message that was like, hey, we're getting so many online orders. Would you would, it, would customers mind calling in or coming in because we're just having trouble keeping up with all the online orders? What happened? Like, <laughs> what changed to the point where you're, you said you're just staring at the wall versus you're, you're, you've got people spilling out the door? I tell you, your guess is as good as mine. I call it, but God opened the sky and people were falling out of it, I guess. I just don't know what happened. Mm -hmm. I literally was from not having anybody. And you start tagging me in, into the Omaha Food Lovers. Mm -hmm. And you came and you did the podcast thing. But it wasn't, I just don't know. I, it went from not having customer to that day, that Friday was the craziest <laughs> one. <laughs> when I saw you, I was like, oh, God, please come help me. <laughs> Did you see how I, I come? I'm like, Dan, yes. <laughs> I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Yes. But it's good to see a familiar face. Yes. It was like, oh, God. Yeah, it was busy. It was just busy that day. Uh, I think it was, a part of it, too, was um, I was tagged into the black-owned uh, business. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm one of the... My few minority black owned women business in Omaha. Right. So it really kind of went from zero to a hundred degree and people wanted to really support. Mm -hmm. They really wanted to come out and the website literally crashed. I mean, like, really? yes, that night we couldn't even find some of the orders. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. That's why I put that little note the next day. I'm like, please. Please call we, in. We are sorry, but, yes. you know, you know, you can still order. But, you know, if we don't get to you, don't get mad at us, uh -huh. you know. But, yeah, but it, things have been 
very good after that. And it kind of streamlined people a little bit to either come in. Um, I think a lot of people didn't know if they should come in and order or should be able to uh, do it online and mm -hmm. just pick up. Mm -hmm. But we are dining at 50% right now. I think Monday or next week sometime, uh, they said the governor... Somebody told me, I haven't quite heard the yeah. thing, <laughs> that we can be open at 100%. Uh -huh. So people can definitely come in and dine in or take out. Um, but it's much easier just to come and look at the line, just like you said earlier. It's easier to order that way. Right. Yeah, um, because a lot of people didn't know if they should do that or do it online. Mm -hmm. um, but it takes twice longer to, to do online than to just come in and, and order. Or you can call over the phone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that day was just... You were out just seeing, you know, the the corn on top of your head and the white outfit, and <laughs> you were oh you were God. the angel that I saw. I was like, then hi hi. Well, I am a huge believer, and this doesn't always work out, unfortunately. But I'm yeah. a huge believer in that if you are talented at something and you're passionate about it, and you put out a quality product yeah people will find it yes. they will tell their friends yeah and you just you need that spark yes because that's the thing i think previously and obviously the timing of covid was really what did it was so many yeah. people just didn't know no. about okra yeah and then once that word started to trickle out one person tells two people mm -hmm. those two people tell two friends exactly. the, all those people start telling their friends and that's how you get a line out the door yes so i think it was really uh, it's it's just a testament <laughs> to your hard work and oh. the product that you put out there. It, it just Thank it you. needed that spark, spark yes. to get going. But yes. once the once the fire was lit, it, 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 I mean, it was like gas got poured on it. Yes, literally, yes. And now it's like you know, just like you said, it, you know, one person tell the other friend. And there was a vegan lady that came today, and she's like, "Oh my God, my friend been bombarding me to come over here, and I just have to come." You know, same thing with the food, Omaha food lovers. You've been telling people, please go get a blow, please go get, you know. Uh -huh. So they've been, so I, I just needed, thank you for really seeing that I needed that spark and ignited that for me. It, it, I knew I needed it, but again, who's going to light it out was what I needed and I didn't have. And with COVID, it wasn't just there. So. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, will, I will thank God and I'll thank Dan to be able to, to set that fire, you know. Well, and maybe I played a small part, but I think Maya deserves a lot of credit. You still I think, play a part. <laughs> I think, you know, just the the yeah. creators of the Food Lovers group, uh, they deserve a lot of credit. I mean, this, yeah. this was a lot of people kind of at the same time discovering something awesome and being yes. like, people need to know about this. This deserves recognition. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's, uh, I just try. I'm just trying to put it out there. I love it. <laughs> I try to keep it as humble as I can. I don't like to. You are yeah. very humble. <laughs> Definitely. I just like to feed people and just make people happy through food. It's just what I want to do. There's nothing, <laughs> there's like no better mission statement for a restaurant owner than what you just said. I just want to feed people and make them happy. Yes. All right. So I've taken a lot of your time here. Oh, so no. As, we as, can be here all day talking, I tell you. Oh, you yeah. have a great question and you're digging down into my heart and pull everything out. 
Don't don't <laughs> test me. We will be here oh, all day. Oh, oh. I'm, no, I'm just saying. I, I I can talk all day about food, and oh. if you say that, you might not make it home for dinner. We'll oh, be goodness. here for five or six hours. Uh, regardless, there there are two questions that I love to ask any chef, restaurant owner, anyone in the restaurant industry, just yes. because I'm genuinely curious, and I think it's just good for people to know. Yeah. And the first one is, what is one thing about working in the and being in the restaurant industry? that you feel most people outside of it, diners, don't understand that you wish they did? The hard work that gets put into it. Mm -hmm. it, it's, uh, you really have to have the passion for it. Restaurant um, business, business in general is hard. Mm -hmm. But restaurant, I think, is the hardest job or hardest business out there i haven't seen one chef that can tell you wrong is a 24-hour business mm -hmm. is a um hit the metal hard business you burn yourself all the time i got yep, I you know i got right scar mark yeah. to tell you cut yourself all the time um but it's just for me personally and i'm sure if you ask a lot of chefs it's just the love like I said earlier, is is the smile of people's face, is the is the joy that you tell me you get from eating a blow that makes me feel okay, I can spend the next five hours making a blow and I know Danny's gonna enjoy it. Yeah. For me, it works out every time. It works out every time. And it makes me wanna get up every morning and go back and do it again. Yes. But it's the hardest thing that anybody will Especially the way I'm doing it, I'm doing it as a scratch kitchen mm -hmm. because none of the sauces, none of the the product are mainstream. Mm -hmm. It's not like a barbecue sauce that you can just go, you know, I call Cisco and they'll bring me a jug of it and I'll just pour it into the container right. or a ranch that's already pre-made, you know. Uh -huh. A lot of things have to be made every single day, all the time. Mm -hmm. We might eventually get to mass produce certain things, but right now... We are making it every single one from love and trying to kind of keep up. And mm -hmm. we, will. we will. Well, it's kind of like, you know, what you said about mise en place earlier, yeah. too. When people are looking over the counter and they see onions and peppers mm -hmm. and cucumbers and tomatoes and all these different things. Somebody had to cut every <laughs> single one of those onions. Somebody had to portion out every piece of chicken. Yes. Somebody had to cook all the rice that's there. Like yes. that's the thing I think that people don't think about. They're yes. just like, oh, the food, the food is here now, yeah. so I can yeah. order it and I can eat it and move on. But there is so much so hard much. work yes. that goes into just setting up that station yeah. to be prepared when they walk oh, in the door. Yeah. That Friday that we were super busy, we had to cut vegetable like a tub of it and it's not gone you have to cut more and it's gone we have to cut more the rice is we keep cooking them and it's not you know we find in the bottom of it and we cooking some more <laughs> i mean like it was like <laughs> by the time you came it was like okay there's no more rice there's no, <laughs> no more pie there's no more flan there's no more you know there's no more anything and you know we took the next week to really prepare everything back again mm -hmm. and kind of replenish that now we kind of learning to kind of cut vegetable. I have like five tubs of vegetable already pre-cut. Yeah. Before we were only cutting about one, but now I'm like, I'm not gonna have that. You're ready, again. yeah. I'm ready. I'm prepping everything ahead of time. So it's really kind of that routine into you know, and I'm, 
hire a couple more people so I can be. There's one little lady. She that all that's all she does all day. Cut vegetable and plantains. That's it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, she cuts like a tub of it, and yeah, yeah. And it takes almost the whole day to cut like five tubs of mixed vegetable. Mm -hmm. and, you know, so it, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy, but everybody's really pumping to it. And I love to have people that really kind of have the same love of the food as I do. And my team right now, I need to give them props too because, oh my God, if it wasn't for them, I would have been just laid out on the floor <laughs> <laughs> screaming by <right> now. <laughs> I know I'm a tough lady, but it's like at one point I was like, oh my God, somebody help me. <laughs> you uh -huh. know? But they didn't work great too. Uh, yeah, that, I, that's what every restaurant needs, a really great team. Mm -hmm. yeah, so if you have a great team, you guys can fly it off the moon. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and my last question here, I think you've answered it probably several times over through the course of this podcast, but oh, I just, yeah? I love ending every discussion on a positive note. So I'm oh. going to ask it again anyway, and we can okay. get like one nice little summation. Okay. What do you love? Like, what is your favorite part about being in the restaurant industry? Like I said earlier, yep. love to feed people. Uh -huh. There's a lot of hungry people out there, you know, I, and not just feeding them as, you know, being full, but feeding them the way I look at it too, spiritually. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I want them to be able to take something and when they go home, be like, wow, this is great food. And that is what I'm looking for. Wow, that was beautiful. I'm, I'm not even going to try and like follow up and say anything smart after that because I'm just, I can't say anything better than that. Yeah. Nina, yes. thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank this was you. a real pleasure. Yeah, always. Please invite me back. We should be doing this every week. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I keep teasing you, don't I? <laughs> we can do it. We, I know. We, we can have a, a Chef Nina segment just every week. Oh, my goodness. Oh, see, now you're getting ideas. We got the wheels turning here. Oh, brother. Well. Are you up for it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Omaha. Well, stay tuned for that. Yeah. And uh, as always, thanks for eating with me. <laughs> <laughs>